0: Good morning slash afternoon slash evening. Welcome to Cowries and Rice podcast, a perfectly passable China Africa podcast. I'm your host, Rizzo Robertson, and I am joined by our co-host, Lena Ben-Abdella, a PhD student in international relations at the University of Florida. Yi ting Wang, a resident China sustainability specialist, will not be joining us today, sadly. Lena, how are you doing? Doing great. Excellent. How's the weather down in Florida?
1: Oh, it's getting cold here
0: define cold
1: uh, well 50 degrees (laughs)
0: i'm i'm a little bit jealous today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor african development jobs african development jobs a site run by nero duru seeks to connect development workers professional development resources and work opportunities in africa on a quest to diversify development it highlights the voice and issues of africans and the aspera in the field It is also the best site for finding employment in the development field in africa that i know of the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation, or FOCAC, just ended on December fourth through fifth in Johannesburg, South Africa. There's still a number of issues that we wanted to cover, so we will continue looking at the summit for the foreseeable future. For historical context, FOCAC was initiated in 2000 in Beijing in order to sketch out a three-year cooperation plan between China and the countries of Africa. Since then, the triennial meetings have alternated between China and African countries. We wanted to assess FOCAC sustainability and environmental initiatives, and brought back on the pod Linan and Louise Schultz. And we are happy to say that they saw fit to include uh, Mr. Joe Fei. Miss Linan is a policy m- manager of China's Green Shift Initiative at WWF China. Joe Fei is head of Traffic China, the Wildlife Trade Research Network, and Ms. Louise Schultz is manager for the Policy Futures Unit at WWF South Africa. We are very lucky to have them share their experience with us. Nan, Louise, welcome back on the pod. Faye, we are quite happy to have you on as well. And since you were all in Johannesburg during FOCAC, could you tell our audience what was it like there? Did you get to say hi to President Xi and Zuma or any other heads of state?
2: <laughs> a nice question, Winslow. I think FOCAC is a bit like COP. <laughs> the likelihood of saying hello to any heads of state is extremely
0: limited. <laughs> what were um, the levels of access like? Were there passes that you had to use to get to different parts of um, convention halls? Uh, what was uh, s- security like? Would it be possible just to randomly walk to the wrong part of the forum, of the summit?
2: No. Windsor security was, was very strict, and, and the only members of our team that actually accessed some of the events was Lee Nunn and... The second uh, and head of, of China office, Dr. Li Lin, who went to a side event that focused on China trade. Um, the rest of us didn't get yeah. a look in.
3: Yeah, Li, I was actually uh, present at this
0: uh, at the opening meeting there. Oh, fantastic! And uh, and it's that sounds great that you um, that you were able to get anybody in at all. Nan, you were in FOCAC itself, right? You, you were one of the handful of people from an NGO to actually attend an official FOCAC event. Could you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that, what it was like, why you were there, and, and what you did?
4: Uh, yes, uh, I was there on 4th December when the uh, President Xi Jinping and all the other half of state uh have these opening ceremony of the China-African Collaboration, the China-African Summit in Johannesburg. I was there. So it's my privilege. I was also, you know, that's just a kind of new experiences for me at all, because we never have this chance to, to really join the formal uh, event of the 4CAC. And I... I, have, I would like to share two things with people. First, I, I remember that uh, Xi Jinping, our president, he, he announced us, you know, everybody knows that $60 uh, billion US dollars, uh, aid and also investment pro plan to support the 10 big projects between China and Africa in the next three years. And also I remember it clearly that he promised that China African cooperation will never be depressed at the expense of Africans' ecosystem and long term interests. After he said those, he was interrupted by applause. I think that shows that uh, the common uh, desire of the attendees, at least from China and African, African countries, for a long term, environmentally, economically, and socially. Uh, sustainable development uh for both can both China and Africa. So that's my uh, that's impressed me. And also when a president finished our President Xi Jinping finished his speech, we go back to his uh, seat. All the heads of the African states stand up to show their expectation to, to the Chinese president. I think they welcome those uh suggestions and also the commitment made by the Chinese government uh, during the speech. So that's my uh, feeling about the uh, summit. Although we we are thinking that there are still some spaces uh, for both Chinese and African uh, leaders to take actions in to implement those great ideas, as I just mentioned, those commitments into the every aspect of China-African collaboration, especially in the industrialization of uh, infrastructure, mining, and also finance cooperation uh, between the uh, China and Africa.
0: Quickly, can you talk about how you specifically got into the FOCAC opening because I'm mm-hmm. gonna guess a lot of other NGOs or NGO representatives did not attend. How did you get the invitation?
4: Yeah. All right, we we attended because we uh joined the because there's a Ch- entrepreneurs conference hosted by the uh Chinese uh. Oh, uh, let me think about it's full name: CCPIT China. Uh, council for, in, for promotion of International trade, which hosts this entrepreneurs conference between a uh, conference of African Chinese entrepreneurs. so we are invited to join this uh, event uh, uh, since two thousand and twelve at that time our uh, director dG uh, our uh, director general Delivered a keynote speech in Beijing during the uh, conference, and this time we are invited, we're honored to to be there to join the to listen to the dialogue, and uh, you know have the chance to meet the African and Chinese entrepreneurs to understand each other about our you know uh, uh, ideas about how the China African collaboration could move forward that
0: is that's incredible um, and and the fact that wWF is actually involved in entrepreneurship and and the mm. private sector that's something that a lot of people would not expect of an environmental ngo what's what's the sort of projects that you're looking at
4: sorry what 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 do you mean the what kind of projects
0: what uh, for the the entrepreneur summit that you were invited to mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in, in what capacity can WWF support entrepreneurs?
4: All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for clarification. Uh, WWF, we do the forecast advocacy, not only just talking with decision makers. We also provide uh, practical solutions. So that is why we also... Have the dialogue with different sector, uh, with the uh, business leaders in different sectors. For example, forest, mining, infrastructure. I would like to give you one example. Uh, it's uh, our work in in uh, in Gabon. In Gabon, we help uh, ten uh, Chinese uh, forest companies to set up a round table, and all of them promise to uh, take. Uh, uh, voluntary-based actions to work for to protect uh, to, for, for the uh, environmental protection in the country and also uh, looking forward ways forward to to protect, to, to manage the forest uh, in a more sustainable way. And I want to emphasize that that's the things we engage with those Chinese forest companies, the Hector, uh, the the hectare of forest uh, managed by Chinese companies, uh, which uh, 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 ha, ha, let's say it um, in a more uh, sustainable way, um, the, the hectares uh, increased by uh, uh, eight times since 2012. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. So that's just one example showing how we develop business cases with our partners in the the private sector.
0: Congratulations. That's incredible. Um, Yeah, yeah. WWF hosted a side conference seizing opportunities to create sustainable development pathways um, on December 1. Who attended, what was discussed, and what came out of that conference?
2: Uh, Winslow, the, the conference brought together uh, both African and Chinese stakeholders, and it cl- included representatives from think tanks. We had some representatives from the diplomatic core, private sector, civil society. And the focus was to look at the role of FOCAC to influence investments in Africa that will be uh, bring about long-term benefits uh, to Africa. Um And with a particular focus, as I said, on interregional and intercontinental trade. So, as I said in the previous uh, podcast, we focused on on four issues, wildlife trade, to which I think my colleague will speak more in detail, timber, mining and infrastructure and renewable energy. And just for me, a few interesting things that came out. And once again, I'm going to touch very lightly on on the four different panels, was uh, the, the realization with, with wildlife trade that there are actually three main drivers for it and it's it's a, a, the, the socioeconomic conditions of the people living in the areas where the poaching happens the effectiveness of governance at national level and then of course the level of wealth in Asia and all of this driven by the effectiveness of organized crime and I think Jofe will speak a bit more in detail to what China and Africa intends to do about combating uh, illegal trade. Timber, just the the, uh, the fact that although China is by far the largest customer for African timber, African timber is actually only about 45 percent of all timber imports from China. So it's, it's just interesting that what is a, a major issue for Africa is actually a very small issue for China, having said that, it doesn't mean that China is, is very aware of the impacts of, uh, un, of, of, of unchecked uh, deforestation. And, and somebody spoke quite in detail about steps that China is taking to combat that. Then just in the infrastructure session, of course, infrastructure is desperately needed for Africa. But, I mean, once again, if it, if it happens in an unchecked way, then it, it can have uh, immense impacts on um, human uh, on on local communities on the environment. Um, it, it it has some problem. It has the potential to create some uh, conflict, um, and uh, I mean uh, um, and and of course impact on patterns of migration, habitat destruction. So. Very key how that uh, infrastructure is going to be managed. And then finally, the renewable energy component, although there's a lot of change happening to the better and the sense that it's not merely technology, but there's also a move to more partnerships that's happening. Um there's still immense problems about accessing financing, accessing the right kind of technologies for the kind of energy access that that African people need. So all in all, it was a very productive conference. It was a very positive conference with lots of very spirited discussion between both African and Chinese colleagues, enormous amount of goodwill, and a, a collective um, a realization that, that we need to do something about future environmental impacts of, of the, the, the the upscaling of the development that will be happening in Africa.
0: Excellent. For our listeners' knowledge, the, the lineup of speakers they got was phenomenal.
1: Um, so how uh, did you communicate proceedings from the conference to um, to... Focac summit, or how does that work, or by by mere fact of having it around Focac is what raises, um, you know, attention towards it, or um, how, what what were some of the
2: proceedings? Um, you mean how did we how do we disseminate the, the outcomes of of the conference?
1: Right. You mentioned uh, a press uh, release. Uh, could you talk a little bit? About
2: more about that well, we, we, we we also did a fair amount of twittering during the um, the conference and of course once again the wildlife session um, got a lot of attention and then subsequent to the conference we released a press release and then of course the, pros, uh, the, the proceeds of the conference we're busy writing up a report and we've also got some live links that will be embedded in that report and once again that we'll disseminate, but that will probably only happen early next year.
3: Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that uh, uh, before the decide the, uh, the meeting in Johannesburg, uh, WWF also sent our position papers to the relevant government departments uh, who
0: shall attend this uh, summit. And, and was there any indication that that essentially um FOCAC attendees read your policy papers?
3: Uh yes. Fanta- there are clear uh uh clear indications in terms of uh wildlife trade issues. Um uh Because the, there are quite of uh, quite a lot of interest on the issue of wildlife trade, uh, so from the um, the uh, the statement and also the position uh, papers from the the conference, we could see that our our positions are reflected in those papers.
2: Okay. I can perhaps just add to that. I mean, I, I do know that it was read by the South African delegation because I actually sat with one of the senior negotiators while he went through it. Um, so I, I know for a fact that it was read certainly from the South African side.
0: And and that's the precise sort of story I wanted to know. But
2: it, it is true that the,
1: um, that the uh, action plan actually uh, talked a lot about Wildlife it talked about a lot about uh, these issues of it was amazing to see that I mean there was no specific or explicit uh, let's say um, like ban of Avery, uh, um but it, it it actually addressed a lot of um, issues with uh, wildlife and it was uh, something uh, quite impressive actually
0: and for our listeners' knowledge the action plan Lena's referring to is is uh, the FOCAC action plan that was um, released on both the um, Johannesburg FOCAC website and now uh, a much more searchable version on the s- Chinese embassy in South Africa. It was uh, a 40-page document, and there are a lot of references to, to wildlife and, and, and wildlife trade. And, and the w- one I believe we're going to talk most about is in Section 6.4. So, uh, uh, Zhou Laoshir, could you talk about the FOCAC action plan and and some of the other policy documents that came out of FOCAC regarding wildlife trade? Sure. Um, It's indeed very
3: exciting that after many years of uh, uh, lobbying efforts, the wildlife trade issues were finally on the agenda of FOCAC. Um, so, the, the most important one is the action plan here. It specifically highlight the um, importance of uh, wildlife conservation, and uh, the Chinese side promised to, to help the African countries to improve the protection capacity and and also, they are very um, uh, they emphasize on uh, uh, cracking down on the illegal trade of wildlife products, and uh, spe- spe- specifically mentioning the poaching of uh, the elephant and rhinos in Africa. So that's that's really very very remarkable. Progress. Um, uh, there has been a very strong intervention from the the Chinese side. Now the the Chinese leadership uh, attaches great importance to the uh, so-called ecological civilization. Now, ecological civilization means uh, to reduce the assumption of an uh, to 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 reduce an unnecessary an unnecessary consumption, including the consumption of wildlife products. Um, before the the summit, the China has already announced a ban on the the import of the ivory carving from African the countries and also include the uh trophy hunting ivory and uh China also uh China also announced the intention to impose a total ivory ban in China. Now my prediction is that this ban is likely to to happen in in 2017. Um uh, the other thing is that uh, 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 China uh, promised to uh, uh, 60 billion U.S. dollar aid uh, to Africa uh, in the next uh, uh, three years' time. So there will be uh, financial support or in aid to uh, on wildlife conservation.
0: Uh, for the, the for African states and for our listeners knowledge could you sort of differentiate how China's different uh, moves on ivory trade um, affect the ivory trade what, what is a trophy hunting ban, what is a, a, an ivory carving ban and in terms of ivory trade within China, what do you believe this will do in terms of uh, a, legal, uh, a legal wildlife trade?
3: Yeah, what is happening now is that we have a, a, a poaching crisis in Africa, it's because in the last, uh, and the, the other side is this high, high demand in China, it's because in the last decade, the rapid expanding of the uh, middle and upper class with uh, with high income have made China the world's primary consumer country of uh, wildlife, uh, especially ivory products. Uh, Now, what uh, the Chinese government is doing is above the international convention. It's called CITES. Uh, because CITES allows um, the the legal imports from the African countries, and the CITES allows the uh, trophy hunting ivory from the African countries. But, but now China has imposed a ban on those imports. And uh, the CITES also allows the... Uh, Uh, commercial trade of ivory, um, uh, in China we have both legal, uh, legal ivory trade and illegal trade there. But, but now, uh, the Chinese government promised to, to impose a, a, a total ban on the, on the, the ivory trade in China.
1: What are some of the ways that WWF can assist in the implementation of this action plan of this of the Johannesburg Summit? I mean, there are mentions of having even a fund, mentions about uh, biodiversity centers, mentions of um, taking you know proactive action towards improving wildlife and protection of wildlife and environment, um, what are some of the ways that you foresee WWF can assist in that implementation?
3: Uh, sure. WWF is part of the international uh, pressure that helps to achieve this uh, political commitment on the every side. Now, it's, 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 uh, for the time being, it, it is a still uh, a commitment, so it's like a, it's like a beautiful castle in the air. There's no timetable, mm-hmm. no road. So what WWF is doing in China is that we try to assist uh, by providing the uh, the uh, consultation on the roadmap or the, uh, the possibility of of a time frame. Our proposal is to, imp- uh, our uh, proposed is to have this ban in uh, in the in the year around 2017. Um, now the other the other most important thing the, the other most important things we are doing in China is that we engage ourselves uh, on uh, behavior change. This is the way to reduce the uh, the demand uh, for ivory in China. Because if you—the average ban cannot be effective if the demand is still high.
2: I'm um, sorry, just—Lina, just, Lena, just add, add to that from a African perspective. Um, you know, President Z said that, you know, China-Africa Corporation should not come at the expense of Africans' ecological environment and long-term interests. So ideally what we would like to see is that actually comes out in the implementation of this declaration and action plan in the next three years. So from the African perspective, we will be working very closely with other civil society organizations, NGOs, engaging with key um, decision-makers in government to ensure that it actually plays out like that in, 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 in practice. I mean, for all intents and purpose, the declaration and the action plan um, is indicative of the intent, and and what, what we can do is to ensure that the intent actually plays out in, in actions that's going to follow in the next three years, and that investments actually follow the spirit of the intent that's contained in, in, in these two documents.
0: And for our... American or European listeners, could you talk a little bit about the interplay between, um, between the African side and the Chinese side? In, in the U.S., at, at least, I can say that a lot of folks think that this is all essentially on China and that um, if China did this, if China did that, there would be no ivory poaching. And I'm wondering for those sorts of listeners what, what both you you might, might say to them.
2: <laughs> well I think I mean I, I can't I can't speak that much on ivory and I think maybe once again they should do that but I mean rhino horn, for example is primarily drawn by um, demand from Taiwan for, uh, not Taiwan from Vietnam so I think uh, it's it's not only t- China and I think to a large extent it's also being driven by purchase and uh, not purchase by by um, Um, By illegal uh, uh, By smuggling rings So I mean they've got very much a vested interest To keep it alive and if demand In China falls off I have no doubt That they're going to actively seek other markets Where they can download ivory and rhino horn So I think
0: So essentially that Uh, Oh oh, Sorry I just wanted To to interject really quickly So essentially it's incumbent On also helping African stakeholders better manage their natural resources. Yes. Okay. And I
2: think, I think one must accept that if, if people are poor and there's very other um, opportunities for a, a li- for livelihoods that they are probably more susceptible to get pulled into poaching and, and illegal wildlife trade. So there is definitely a socioeconomic aspect to it as well.
0: Ex- excellent. Uh, sorry, Joe Lauscher. Uh, what about yourself?
3: Uh, uh, China and U.S. are the largest ivory market in the world. So th- this, this political commitment to, to impose a total ivory ban is a, is a joint uh, 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 commitment from, from uh, China and the uh, U.S. So it's very important for these two countries moving together now in that uh, direction. Um uh uh we are we are talking about this this the high demand in China, but there are also very very uh large legal ivory market in the US. Uh so uh so we need to uh to get rid of all all those um
0: Ivory market in both China and the U.S. and and that's a, a extremely important point that essentially it's very hard for um, Americans in particular to to criticize Chinese demand for for ivory. Consider we, we are the second largest market, correct? Yes. And and because it's it's essentially legal for us, it's very hard for the folks in the U- U.S or even American NGOs to ask China to ban the ivory trade when, when it's illegal here in the U.S. Um, but th- thank you so much for, for, for sharing those observations. Um, I, want, I want to give you the opportunity to talk about how fantastic WWF is and how much access you have by talking a little more about your ability to get this sort of research into the hands of high-level policymakers on, on the African or the Chinese side. So you, you mentioned going over um, the South African delegation at FOCAC. What other delegations did, did you see, or, or, or what language-specific to wildlife trade did you put in that you saw in the action plan? or China
3: uh, issued a position paper, including... Um, uh, postage of uh, wildlife trade issues. Uh, so we are happy to, to see that in action, uh, uh, uh about the, uh, uh, the illegal wildlife trade, uh, uh especially addressing uh, the issue of of poaching in Africa, in particular the elephants and the rhinos. so...
0: I think you're cutting out Joel. Sure, Could you try repeating what you just said? Yeah.
3: yeah uh, Yeah was was as saying. We are very happy to see uh, the 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 poaching about the the, the poaching crisis in Africa, especially mentioning the the the, the poaching of uh, the elephants and uh, rhinos in Africa. Uh,
0: excellent, excellent. And what about yourself, Louise? I know you spoke with the South African delegation. Did any other delegations mention WWF in over the course of the the weekend in Johannesburg? Uh,
2: uh, uh, I can't comment on on that, uh, Winslow. I do know that. <laughs> uh, no, no. I just do know that our Mozambican delegation had a, a government delegation with them from Mozambique that focused very much on. Timber issues. Um, and similarly, our colleague from Madagascar brought a very high level government official that also attended the official um, proceedings to our conference. So I, I can only assume that there was a lot of engagement between those uh, and, 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 and with both the Madagascan and the, the Mozambican. Um, delegation, but I didn't speak to them in person, so I can't. I can't give details.
0: Yep. That is quite all right. But essentially, WWF was in spirit in the official summit at Johannesburg, um, and now we're going to move on to recommendations. Um, so, uh, Joe Lauscher, do you have any recommendations for our listeners? Um, yes, um, I mentioned that that uh, we have. To-
3: Achieved quite uh, a progress uh, to incorporate the wildlife trade issues in the, the action plans there, but it's a it's a pity that um, the um, the action plan uh, only mentioned the uh, poaching crisis in Africa. It failed to mention the uh, demand in China. Uh, so there's no um, no. No mentioning of uh, to reduce the demand in China. So WWF shall continue to work uh, in that regard.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for letting us know. And Luis, what about yourself?
2: Uh, You might recall the previous time I recommended Deborah Bratigam's book. I had the opportunity to go and listen to her while I was in Johannesburg and hear her talk to a second book, Will Africa Feed China? And I think uh, it's a useful book for people to read because I think a lot has been written about supposed land grabs by China, and this book firmly debunks that. Um, And secondly, I think it's useful for people to read because there's a very large focus on agriculture in the Declaration and Action Plan and i think it's something to watch to see how that will unfold um, in africa are we looking at large scale industrialization large scale industrial farming or uh, yeah and to what extent will small scale farming disappear so i think uh, it could be interesting interesting sector to watch in the next 3 years
0: wonderful and when we had uh, professor Brottingham on Two weeks ago to discuss that very book, and I second that recommendation. It's an excellent, excellent text. Nan, do you have any recommendations for our listeners?
4: Uh, I think we will continue look at the China-African collaboration we will have further engagement both in China and Africa we really look at how these action plans how this speech can be implemented in the coming three years and uh, we also encourage all the audience to work together because we are looking forward not only the commitment but also actions and more importantly we are looking forward a more inclusive process in China-African collaboration so let's do it together and we will share our new progress with the audience uh, regularly uh, through this uh, platform. I think that's very useful for us to really to approach more uh, people on the continent. Lovely.
0: That is lovely to hear. Lena. what about yourself?
1: I would recommend a, a recent uh, report uh, released by the Institute for Security Studies, uh, the ISS, uh, on, uh, it's titled China's Role in South Sudan, A Learning Curve, um, mm-hmm. and the uh, author is Liesl uh, Lu Vodran, uh, who is an ISS consultant. Um, so it's a, a really good report to kind of uh, give more details and information about China's role in peacekeeping efforts in South Sudan. Um, so uh, that's what I've been kind of reading at the moment.
0: Um, and then, as for myself, I would recommend reading the, uh, the the FOCAC Action Plan, or at least skimming through it. And Lena corrected me. I, I thought the environmental section I was referencing was um, 4.2, but it's actually 4.6. So thank you for the noticing that, Lena. Um, okay. it's, it's, a, it's a really good document, and it's, it, it's long... But it's, it, it shows you the directions China is going. And it shows also, the, it reflects the dynamism of the China-Africa relationship. Um, basically, every critique that somebody might have of the China-Africa relationship, there is a, a, a hard and firm answer in this action plan. Whether it's technology transfer, labor, the environment, um, uh, China and the countries of Africa are, are working diligently to, to make the relationship better. And and I recommend checking it out. Mm. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. Did Louise? Did you have a uh, something to say about that comment?
2: I would. I would have preferred to have seen something more explicit on renewable energy, Um, Mm. and it was it was very absent. And I mean, and and uh, 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 the one liner on exploring offshore oil and gas reserves sort of raises a few f- uh, uh, flags of concern for me. But on the whole, I agree with you. It's a, a good document.
0: <laughs> and we, we will be happy to have you on at a later podcast to discuss some of these topics. <laughs> and uh, before we sign off, how do people find you on the Internet? Do you have a, a website or a social media account that you would like to share with us?
2: Uh, Winsler, as I said to you before, we've got a dedicated website dealing with FOCAC on WWF South Africa's website. It's uh, what we do, FOCAC. And if people come onto that website in about two weeks' time, then they'll find a report from our conference with some very interactive links. If they go onto the on the website now, they'll have a, the opening address with the closing address by Dr. Leland. So if they would like to to hear to somebody from WWF encapsulating what our expectations are and what we would like to see from the declaration action plan for the next three years. And I would suggest they go and listen to that.
0: Tremendous, tremendous, and and noted. We will make sure our listeners know about that. Joe uh, jo what about yourself? WWF China also has the um, website,
3: um, so it has all the. Uh, information about Focac,
0: and also in Chinese hey, for our Chinese listeners that might be useful. Yes. <laughs> and do you have a um a, a Weixin account you would like to share with our listeners or is that private? Uh
3: yes. This my name uh Fei in Chinese.
0: Perfect. And yeah. it, it And we will have that up there in case anybody wants to get in touch with you.
4: Sure. Yeah. uh, China. we have official uh, website at uh, www.wwfchina.org. You can find us at uh, WeChat as well. Uh, But I I have to find out the official site (laughs) of WWF. But you can find it from our website uh,
0: automatically, I think. All right. Excellent. Lena, what about yourself?
1: Um, as usual, I think the easiest way would be on Twitter, at uh, LBenAbdallah.
0: Excellent. And I myself can be found on cowriesrice.blogspot.com and www.caloriesrice.com. the latter site housing my fledgling China-African consultancy. In addition, my Twitter handle is Winslow underscore R. And I tweet about China-African news, events, opinions, and Arcana. Um, and I... Yeah, uh, FOCAC was a bonanza on Twitter. It was so great to watch all these events through Twitter. Um, and, I, and I definitely recommend people to, to engage more on, on social social media, especially Wei Xin. <laughs> that is about it for today's episode. We'd like to thank um, Nan, Joe uh, Larshe, and Louise for uh, joining us this afternoon and evening from South Africa and China, respectively, as well as African <laughs> Development Jobs. This podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Double Twist, and iTunes. We are also teaming up with DWTND Community Radio from Macomb, Illinois, to share our podcast. We'd also like to thank Mighty Mike of Pulse Recordings for composing the theme song, and thank you, dear listener, for giving us your time. Take care.